good morning, everybody. Can you hear me okay? No. All right. Uh, we will mess with it. Hey, it's so good to see you all, to see so many of you. And uh, this has been a long journey. I, I There was a moment back, it may have been in March, it may have been the beginning of April, where I looked out upon the church and there was uh, Kyle and there was Cindy and few other people and uh, I thought man I thought it would take me longer than this to drive away everyone but we <laughs> it's good to see that that hasn't actually happened uh, but there were some touch and go days there I love being outside I love this service do you remember the last time we met in this spot it was concrete and asphalt and we did baptisms and baby dedications and all this sort of thing and so now we have what we are calling I think we have officially dubbed it the lawn the Pulpit Rock Lawn, that's what we're calling it. Um, so welcome to the lawn for our first inaugural service on the lawn. I'm glad you're here. Uh, here's what we're going to do this uh, morning. We wanted to do baptisms, baby dedications, all that sort of stuff, but we're still figuring out all the COVID restrictions. So uh, instead, we put it to a vote, and everyone decided, let's just have you preach. So I thought that's what I would do. Um, I'm going to dive into a section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, and what we want to try to do is do two things this morning. One is pivot into the second half of our summer. If you are not aware, summer is about half over today, and it is flying flying by um, and we don't know what awaits us in the fall, but we want to focus the second half of the summer on a very specific sermon series that I'm excited to tell you about and we're going to start that today. But the other thing that we want to do is we want to celebrate and send off, uh, kind of send off, send off into a new role Thomas and Jessica and their family and all that they have meant to us. Um, this has been a little bit of a weird season to uh, end a, a formal ministry at a church and it's probably true that this was not how Thomas pictured it when uh, we started this process over a year ago uh, but we want to do our best to just appreciate them and love on them today if you don't know uh, Thomas came to us about 13 years ago and he came as our teaching pastor and he served in that role for a, a couple of years and then he moved into the role of our senior pastor and then about this time last year he moved into a role uh, as our spiritual formation pastor and now he is moving off of our staff and just into a role as just congregant and just uh, uh, as a leadership coach and embracing kind of a new career in his life so we want to pray for him this morning we want to send he and his family off and the way that I want to do that um, I want to dive into a verse out of first Corinthians chapter 3 and I hope you have a device or a Bible or something um, because we don't have the slides. We just have this. I guess if you get lost, just look over there to your right. Um, this passage in 1 Corinthians 3, I, I really think it's one that we kind of skim over frequently, but I really think it shatters and challenges a lot of the perspectives that we hold in this country about leadership and authority, and especially those things in the context of a church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians, it's one of Paul's earlier letters. Paul was a church planting missionary, and he went from city to city planting churches. He went from Athens to a city named Corinth, and he planted a church in the city of Corinth. And then he crosses this little sea to a city called Ephesus, and he spends about three years in Ephesus. But while he is there, he keeps hearing these rumors of some really dysfunctional things that were happening within the church in Corinth. 
And so he writes 1 Corinthians in Ephesus and sends it to Corinth, and he's trying to pastor and lead these people kind of from a distance. He's heard these disturbing things, and he's trying to help them. And so it's not the most encouraging letter you will ever read because he's responding to some negative stuff that he's heard. But there's some incredible insights in that context that he gives us about how leadership in church and this whole thing that we do is supposed to work. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? As you can tell, not going to be the most affirming letter Paul has ever written, right? He is kind of coming down on them. And basically what he's saying is, listen, y'all know Jesus, but your lives have not changed very much. And that's a problem. I think, uh, I've been around ministry many years, I think this is something that really good pastors will always say. They will always say to their people, Jesus loves you just as you are. Because that is true. Jesus loves you just as you are. Whatever sin, whatever problem, whatever mess is in your life, Jesus looks at that and says, I love you. Even in the midst of that sin and that mess, Jesus loves you just as you are. And good pastors will say that, but they will also say this, and he created you for something more. He loves you just as you are, but he created you for something more. And that's what Paul is saying to them. He created you to live in fellowship with him. He created you to boldly advance this kingdom of justice and love and grace. He created you to play a role. This, this whole idea of obedience and doing what God asks us. We don't obey God to become a good person. We don't obey God certainly not to earn his love. He loves us just as we are. But he, we obey God because he wants us to become everything we were created to be. And this is how Paul is challenging them. He's saying, listen, there's something more for you, this wholeness that God has for you. You need to step up into that, and you're not there yet. And he uses this example of jealousy. And it's real easy to see with the sin of jealousy how that could be true. Like, uh, Paul's not saying, hey, you're jealous, and that's bad, so stop it, you bad people. That's not his tone at all. What he's saying is this jealousy that is in your hearts, it is keeping you immature. And God's hope is that you would grow into the sort of person who's not constantly looking at what someone else has with envy that leads to conflict. That's how he's trying to lead them is, listen, there's these things, and it's not like you're bad people. I mean, they might have been bad people, but he's saying there's something better God has for you than this stuff. And that's why he's addressing these specific issues. And so it's easy to see with the first two, jealousy, quarreling, that makes sense, how that would limit us from experiencing what God has for us. But you'll never guess what he says yet. next. Look at this, verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? 
What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor, for we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. So he says, listen, the jealousy is a problem. And then he says, there's also this weird thing that you have about these two leaders that are in your life. So Paul is the pastor who started the church. And then he left and along comes this other pastor, Apollos, and he ministered into this church. And uh, now the church, Paul is saying, is fighting over who is the better pastor, Paul or Apollos. They're arguing over that. And what Paul says to him is, listen, this reveals the nature of your immaturity. Your hearts have confused the messenger with the message. Your hearts have confused what God is doing with the person through whom God is doing it. And, and Paul calls him out. He says, you're caught up in the pastor instead of being caught up in the God who is growing you. Instead of being got, caught up in the God who is trying to lead you forward and frankly doesn't need a pastor to do it. But you're overly focused on the leader. And because you're looking, uh, because you're overly focused on the leader, because you're thinking of it that way, you're missing the fact that you are in fact God's building. You are the one that God is building up. This church is something that God is at work in. You're not Paul's building. You're not Apollos' building. And until you begin to think of yourself as somehow belonging to a faithful God who will always be at work in your lives, you will limit your growth because you'll always be looking for that next great pastor to follow instead of looking to the God who is growing you. It's fascinating, right? It's fascinating that a guy as amazing as Paul seemed to be, an apostle of God who performed miracles, would say, guys, you're way too focused on me. You need to focus on the God behind it all. Let me just give you a few quick observations, and then we'll be done because um, we'll all be nice and suntan at that point um one is about where we're going and then the other two are about thomas so first observation and this is where we're going the rest of the summer it is the holy spirit that grows us always 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 any growth that is in our life is due to the fact that god through the holy spirit looked at you and had grace on you it is the holy spirit always that's what paul is saying here now, we tend to associate that with a person because the most common experience for most of us when it comes to spiritual growth is that the Holy Spirit through a person helps us grow. And so we tend to get confused at times because we frequently experience that through another person. But what Paul is saying, and I would say this too, and I think anybody who's worth following in ministry would say it, it is always the Holy Spirit that is growing you, never the person, and we should not confuse those two. God works through people, God works through me, God works through you, because it brings him joy. Not because of us, not because of who we are, not because he needs us, but because it brings him joy. And when someone impacts our life, we need to receive that as from God. It needs to grow our confidence that the God of the universe actually is looking at those things that we need and building us up. 
But when we begin to associate our growth overly with a person, it, it, I think, subtly undermines our confidence that we can directly hear from God or that God is active in our life. And that's why Paul is saying, listen, please don't put my face, please don't put Apollos' face on what God himself has done and is doing. Now, one of the ways I feel real called to live this out here at Pulpit Rock is uh, just by broadening the number of voices within our church. Because we all have the Holy Spirit and because God can speak in and through all of us, it makes no earthly sense for one voice to dominate the conversation in a spiritual community. And so we're going to constantly be cultivating other voices uh, because we believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us through anybody. And we were thinking about this earlier this spring before the coronavirus thing really kicked off and uh, hit us. And uh, we kind of came up with this idea for the summer and we debated, should we still do it? And I think we're, we're definitely going to do it. The idea is this, is we wanted to invite a whole bunch of people that don't normally get a chance to preach just to the stage to preach so that we could listen to the Holy Spirit through these people. And I, we wondered, oh, you know, a lot has happened. Do we need to uh, scrap that plan? But I actually think it's more important now than ever before that we have confidence that it is God who speaks to us and that it's not just a leader that is the one speaking to us. And so we're going to do it. And we're calling this series Armchair Expert. Uh, and we've invited six people over the next six weeks who are not the usual suspects that stand up here and open God's word, but they're going to come up and they're going to just share through scripture what God is teaching them in their life. And we're going to do what Paul is encouraging these people to do. We're going to look for how the Holy Spirit is building us up as a church through their words. We're going to listen together as we listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm really excited. Next week, our very own Jerry White, who many of you may know, is going to come, and he's going to kick off the series for us, the Armchair Expert series. And he's a phenomenal leader in a number of different contexts, and we're excited to hear what he has to share. But then each week there's going to be somebody different. We are not doing this series because we're looking for the next Paul or Apollos, right? That's, that's what Paul is saying to us. We are doing this series because we trust that it is the Holy Spirit who wants to speak to us, and he can speak through anybody, um, through all of us. So we're going to invite new voices. So I hope you'll join us. We'll do the online thing. We're going to try to navigate this. I like this. Um, but we're going to try to navigate just the gathering thing and see how we could do that best. But um, it's uh, starting next Sunday and going for the next six weeks. So check in with that. The other thing I want to say uh, about this passage, and it just it, it, it reminds me so much of my friend Thomas, the way that Paul is talking. And two ways in particular, and we could probably add a lot more to this, but these are the two that stood out to me. Um, something I see in Paul, I see, I've seen in Thomas for years, and it's this. Good pastors deconstruct their positional authority. Now, that may be a heady sentence, but it, this is all it means. What Paul is saying to these people is, guys, it's not about me. It's never been about me. That's what he's saying to these people. If there is one thing, or there's more than one thing, but there is one thing that has absolutely been true about Thomas in his 13 years at, uh, at this church, and it was that he didn't make it about himself. Amen? He never did. He led with the sort of humility that is characteristic of pastors who know it is God who grows the church, not us as pastors. And I can't tell you what a gift that has been to us. Humility in a leader creates health in a community, and humble leaders are the only leaders worth listening to. In fact, Jesus, when he was talking about leaders, he described it that way. He said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, uh, or to be served, but to serve and to give his life is a ransom for many. And Jesus is saying, listen, the secret to real leadership, it is not authority, it is not power, it is not control, it's humility. That is the secret. And Thomas and Jessica have embodied that. They came to serve us. And uh, I was thinking about this. This is an astounding statement to me, but it is absolutely a true statement. In 13 years of ministry, I have never seen this man use or abuse his authority or power. That is absolutely true. And uh, one of the most admirable things I know about him, his humility reminds me of Paul's humility ultimately reminds me of Christ's humility. And because of that, uh, this church has, uh, has been blessed and flourished under his leadership. One other thing, though, that I see here that I, I, you just have to observe, and you'll instantly know what I'm talking about with Thomas. Paul says he and Apollos were co-workers in God's service. I think this is true of good pastors. Good pastors embrace the co in co-workers. Um, and that has absolutely always been true of Thomas. He is a collaborator. He loves teaming with others. He loves when others are successful. He has always lifted other leaders up and partnered with them. And ultimately, I think he's always seen ministry as this true partnership with God. Um, it, how many of you know, incidentally, what Thomas's favorite word is in ministry? There's no, there's no wrong answer. Just shout stuff out. I mean, he's already left, so... <laughs> Does anyone have a guess? Teamwork is close. It's actually helpful. My wife guessed it. It's not fair because she, yeah. Anyway, um, his favorite word in ministry is helpful. That is a co-worker word. And whenever he has done ministry, he has asked this question, God, what help can I bring to this person or to this situation? That, that's a partnership question. It's, it's the sort of question that someone asks who knows that they are a co-worker with God. So a few years ago, uh, Luke built this amazing podium for us. I think it was when we were moving back into the auditorium after the great flood. And, um, and he, we kind of worked behind the scenes. We knew this word was such a big part of, of Thomas's ministry. And he engraved upon the podium on the top the word helpful. And the reason for that is we knew this, that every time Thomas would stand in this pulpit, that he was asking this word, this question, or he was praying this prayer, God, allow these words to be helpful to the journey of these people. And isn't this true? The Holy Spirit answered that prayer again and again in all of our lives. Um, he has helped me so much personally on my spiritual journey. And I know that if we did an open mic thing, we're not gonna, but if we did, we could all tell a story about how his words and his ministry have helped us along in the journey because he is a true co-worker with God. So what I want to do is we want to invite Thomas and Jessica up here, and I also want to invite our pastoral team, some of the partners and co-workers that they uh, have been investing in and pouring in in these last few years. And we have a little gift for Thomas that we're going to give him and then pray a prayer of blessing and send him out and then we'll eat come on up do you want a hand up you got it okay yeah y'all up here in the sun okay 
So uh, we, we got a gift. Susie has it right there. This is the top of the podium um, that we are going to give to Thomas uh, to keep. Now, Thomas, we got to tell you, we, uh, what we wanted to do was give you the whole podium. And we asked your family, we were like, hey, he could practice preaching at home when he gets. And they said, please, no. Um, so we, instead, we have the top of the podium that will go with you forever. And uh, we're so thankful. Let me speak these words over, over you guys. Your role in our church is changing, but your place in our hearts is not. Um, we are forever grateful to you for the ways that you have pointed us to the beauty of Jesus Christ. We are forever grateful for what you have sown in us, for what you've watered in us, and how it has helped our journey along the way. For all those reasons and more, we're, we're giving you thanks and we're giving God glory because he has worked through you. We're thankful for the ways that you all have been co-workers in God's service. So thank you. Can we thank them? Now, we're going to have some time to just eat, hang out. You can give them a, a hug. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Google it. What are we allowed to do when we're really thankful? I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what the restriction is. But uh, right now what we want to do is we want to pray a prayer of sending and of blessing. And our two executive pastors, Susie Bates and Kyle Collins, are going to pray over you guys. Can I ask this? Would you all stand? And if you are comfortable, uh, we like to do this where we just kind of hold our hands up towards the people. We can't touch uh, right now, but that's all right. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll hand it over to Susie and to Kyle to pray. Would you all join us in prayer? God, thank you for your great love and blessing over the lives of this family. Thank you that your favor has no end, but it lasts our entire lifetime. We know you are intimately acquainted with this family. You know their concerns. You know their heart's desires. You cover them like a shield. We ask that you continue to make your presence felt among each of them as they continue to walk with you. We ask that in this next season of their lives, you would rain down blessings on them, for they have been such a blessing to this place and these people. God, may you bless this family. May you keep them. May you make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. May you turn your face towards them and give them peace. Father, we're so grateful for Thomas uh, and the gift that you have given to us personally and collectively as a church through him. Thank you for sending him to us for the health that he brought us and for the many ways he pointed us to look to you in new ways. It is our joy and our privilege now to offer a prayer of blessing and sending as he walks into this next season of life and ministry. God, as we send Thomas, we ask for your provision. Would you provide financially for him and for his family? Would you provide relationally for Thomas as he steps into a new environment just in coaching? We ask for your peace as Thomas steps into an uncertain season uh, in building that coaching business and ministry. Would you, you just remind him of your presence and your promise to guide and to direct his steps? We ask that as you have used him here, that he would be used in this next season, that he would continue to be a blessing to all he meets.
Would you give him impact and influence as he coaches leaders? Would you continue to draw out his wiring and gifting and bring it to bear in new ways? And would you fill his heart with joy as he serves and leads and follows you? Amen. All right, stay standing. I'm going to send us out with a benediction. Don't forget, there's a way online to write a note of thanks to these folks, or there's postcards at the Welcome Centers in the main building. We might actually have some over here. Uh, we will get some over here before we go, uh, where you can drop off a note of thanks in the giving boxes. Um, here's the benediction that I have for you. It comes from this chapter uh, 3 of 1 Corinthians. What Paul writes is this, So then, no more boasting about human leaders because all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Go with him. There's uh, food trucks back there and there's cooler room inside to sit and eat if you'd like to. So we're glad you're here.